Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling NetPoint Power Rankings and the Bias Plus Reports. And this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello out there. This is Ben Dickerson, your co-host. I almost forgot who I was and what I was. It's the offseason, but we still have plenty to talk about. So, yeah, we're still here. Let's get it going. Oh, man. Uh, so b- before we move on into the offseason, because we're going to talk about the offseason, number one. Number two, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft, and then we're going to dig into the top 12. Ben, it's bop, bop, and a bop like that. 12. And you know, there's, there's a very specific reason why we're going to do 12. You'll see that later. And then I want to talk about the NFL and race. Wow. <laughs> a little lightweight banner <laughs> on that. <laughs> Doesn't sound lightweight, but we'll see. All right. All right. But it's all love because, you know, we're all about football, family fun, uh, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so before we move further, because this is the offseason, you know, it's interesting when we, you know, we take a lot of information off of, the, you know, television, cable, and streaming, things of that nature, try to absorb all of this, put it together and bring it back for the people to give them something in addition that, that they can think about and, and enjoy about the game. Well, you know, this is the off season right now. And so when I watch media, it's interesting to see how they're filling in <laughs> with, uh, you know, with the lack of game information because you know game time is really crazy if you really think about it you and i are uh red zone guys right because we want to get as much football as we can right in that little six hour window or whatever we have when there's like eight games going on at one time in the one o'clock slot and then you got four four or five games in the four o'clock slot and We always, the the great thing is when you get a night game, because it's just usually just that one game and you can actually focus on the game. And to me, that is the most enjoyable. Well, now we're in the off season and I get a chance to kind of maybe go back. So just real quick, I'm going back, looking through the Sterling net point power rankings and I'm calculating our percentages right on the on the on the bias plus reports right because we're talking about we're going to have a season and i'll let you know how we did for the season i think we're looking okay but as i'm going through the game and i'm saying the games that the bias plus said this team was going to win and they didn't one of the games that stood out was the bucks chicago bears game oh okay I'm intrigued. <laughs> so was I. So was I. So I went back while, you know, and I throw it up on it, you know, on, on Game Pass and I'm watching it. And I'm expecting, I'm like, first of all, I already saw what the score was, right? Bears won. Okay. You know, and, and that, that went against the bias. So I'm like, okay, you know, we know that the Bucks coming out the gate weren't the Bucks as they showed up in games, you know, seven week 17 into the playoffs, they got their act together. They were a little. Yeah. What, what week of the season was this game played? Four. Week four. Okay. All right. Good, good, good. Week four. Keep going. So I throw the game up 
the first surprise I get, quarterback is Nick Foles. <laughs> right. Not yeah. Trubisky. No, they had their fill of Trubisky early. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I'm looking for my man Mitchell Trubisky. Nope, it's Foles. And I'm thinking, damn, Brady gets beat by Foles again. <laughs> oh. oh, now I remember that game. <laughs> they made a big deal at the end of the game because Brady ran off the field and didn't shake Nick Foles' hand. Oh, nor, did he, nor did he shake his hand after the Super Bowl. He's got a thing for Nick Foles. And, and maybe rightfully mean? so because – Nick Foles is his anti-anti. So, wait, this game had a bunch of momentous things happen in this game. Okay. For example, this is the game that Vita Vea broke his ankle. He had a broken ankle? Yeah. Vita Vea came back for the Super Bowl. I remember he came back. And I mean, it was one of those things where it's like his ankle went like crunched, like in a way, like this yeah. way. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. it was kind of ugly. Right. It was right. kind of ugly. Right. The right. score was like it was a low score. It's like twenty to nineteen or, or something like that. Right. Okay. This. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, lot. You know, it, it was crazy. Um, this is the game where Brady lost track of the downs at the end of the game where he held up the infamous four fingers. <laughs> and it was crazy because what happened was at the end of the game and that last two-minute thing, right? Right. Bears got the ball. They're like in field goal range, man. They're maybe on the 20-plus yard line, right? You know? 17 yards, what's that? Like a 37-yard field goal, right? Right. But they're still throwing the ball. And rather rather than running the ball, killing the clock, knowing that, okay, you get a field goal, you're up one, Brady gets the ball back, they get a field goal, you lose, right? Right. They're still throwing the – this is Nick Foles. <laughs> Nick Foles – hit some amazing passes and threw some of the worst passes all in the same game. <laughs> I just brought up the stats real quick. Foles was 30 of 42 for 243, a touchdown and one interception. But they won the game 20 to 19. 20 to 19, right? And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Brady's little snafu, was in their uh, attempted game-winning drive, isn't that correct? But that's what I'm. That's what I'm telling you. Yes. Because yes. the Bears were throwing the ball right, and they right. had an incompletion. I do believe stopped the clock. In left right. time. Right. They gave the ball back to Brady. I believe he had a timeout and like a minute and a half left. So you're like, oh, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> You know what I mean? But this is week four, and, you know, that engine, that that Bucks engine wasn't quite fine-tuned yet. You know what I'm saying? So Brady gets out there and throws a couple incompletions, 
And next thing you know, it's fourth down and they got to go for it. Right. He throws it to a guy who's covered like a blanket. <laughs> right. Fourth down's over. Leave you Brady's had pressure on him. Looks around and puts up the figures like what? <laughs> like, like so we got one more. It's fourth down. It's fourth down, right? <laughs> no, bro. Oh. That was fourth down. Yeah, that was. Uh. So that that was an extremely so uh, uh, so Brady gets beat again by Foles. Via Vea breaks his ankle. The infamous is this the fourth down? You know. The, the, the Bears doing everything they can to give the ball back to Brady with <laughs> extra time left, you know. But you don't see that if you just necessarily, if you watched, you saw it in red zone, you know, you wouldn't have saw a lot of those little decisions that were being made. Right. You know? And you wouldn't have heard some of those comments on some of those Nick Foles throws. I mean, Nick Foles is the only guy on the contract right now, right? You know, as quarterback with the Bears. You know, Trubisky's a, a free agent, so he's not under contract per se. You know, he's he's available for free agent, but Nick Foles has an actual contract. So I doubt that they resign him. So yeah, you might as well call him uh, not under contract. I, I I would agree. I think, um, and let's face it, when they brought Foles in at the beginning of the season, this past season, we knew that made Trubisky's leash extremely short. So by game four, yeah, you, you, we seen enough of this. We brought Nick here just for that reason. And they brought Foles in because that's what they got in there for. And then it turns out he has a drag, drag, uh, drag down, a knock down, drag out fight. I love that expression. I don't know why I couldn't get it out. And uh, I'm looking at the little game summary. They actually went into the fourth quarter uh, up, 16-14, that would be Tampa Bay. Cairo Santos kicks a field goal to put the Bears up one, 17-16. Ryan Suckup kicks a field goal to put Bucks up 19-17. And Cairo Santos kicks a 38-yarder with a minute 13 left in the game to put the Bears ahead 20-19. Give the ball back to Brady with about a minute left and I mean it wasn't a lot of time he was under pressure he's human he had a brain fart he killed <laughs> it didn't look good he was embarrassed Foles beat him again and he immediately took his helmet off and jogged to the locker room didn't shake, <laughs> he shook hands with anybody so that was the, uh, you could add the full snub to that list of things that were uh, uh, significant about this game. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and like I said, you could see that the Bucks didn't quite have their act together. Now that defense stood up. I mean, they shut them down, you know, for, for and out. <laughs> you know a, what I mean? It was, a, it was a defensive battle actually. And um, I believe uh, that early in the season, that the Bears were faring pretty well, had been predicted to be a pretty staunch uh, unit. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where we had them in the ranking, in our rankings, but um, they were living up to the hype, you know, and Tampa Bay was living up to their defensive hype also. There was a bunch of field goals kicked in that game. I mean, it was back and forth in the fourth quarter. 
So neither team could find the end zone there late, and it turned out to be a, a really good game. This, you know, which we were talking about as far as the field goals are concerned, reminds me of the Eagle game where, you know, I said to you that I felt like uh, Doug, the coach at the time, when he said we were trying to win the game and he went for it on fourth down as opposed to kicking a field goal, which, you know, and, and I said, you know, at the time, you know, Super Bowls, you know, field goal kickers are, are your, usually your, your highest scoring person. <laughs> and so many games are come down to a field goal, the point here, point there. You know, the points are valuable in the NFL, you That's know. Right. And and somebody said about Hurts, he said, he said he did everything that, that you can ask your rookie quarterback to do. He got you in field goal position. That's right. And that's basically what Brady and Foles did. They got you in field goal position. And if that's valuable from two guys as experienced as them, then it has to be that much more valuable for a rookie to get that done for you, you know, in a hot game where he's trying to figure out his left from his right. So, yeah, you know, football, man, you got to love it. You got to love it. Okay. All right. All right, so again, this is Ben and Barry on football at www.benandbarryonfootball.com. Uh, and we will be on podcasts at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And every Friday from 6 to 7.30 on the radio, WJRL Radio 95.3 at WJRLRadio.com. Ben, let's take a look at the Ben and Barry Facebook page. And on that, we have some key dates and we wanna talk about that a little bit. So the first key date, and we talked about this last week is March 9th, the uh, franchise and transition tag period is open. So we, you'll have to see those decisions being made today is the third, 3-3-2021. So they have a, about six days or so, and some of that stuff is starting to happen. Um, we talked, <laughs> last week we talked about uh, top free agents. Guess who was not on that list last week? It wasn't our list. We were going by a list. Right, and, I, and it wasn't our list, and I knew somebody somewhat prominent was probably missing, but who is it? J.J. Watt <laughs> oh, yeah. was not on that list as a prominent free agent. Well. <laughs> and, you know, uh, there was a, 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 some information about his contract that came out. Um, and, and maybe you can take a quick look uh, while I'm messing around with the computer on this side. But they just recently, like today or so, came out with what supposedly are the true numbers about what he got paid as a guarantee. And it looked as if the guarantee that he actually got was a lot lower than the guarantee they were reporting. So if you get a chance while we're, while we're on here to, to kind of look that up, we want to make sure we bring that uh, to the people. Um, so yeah, March 9th fran franchise and transition tags have to be in March, excuse me, February uh, 
23rd. That's done. That was that marked the first day for teams to designate who they were. Okay, so it opened up on the 23rd. Going out to March 15th and 17th, legal negotiating window ahead of the NFL free agency. So for a few days before the new league year, free agency officially starts, teams are allowed to contact and enter into contract negotiation with agents of players who will become unrestricted free agents on March 17th. So we're going to have to work next week. Uh, we'll work on making sure that we have that list of unrestricted free agents. I believe those couple of days are unofficially uh, deemed the, um, how they put it, um, legal, the legal tampering period. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're allowed to legally tamper for three days before the 17th or two days. And then on the 17th, you can officially do what you're going to do. Sounds positively sexy, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> the legal tampering period. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Now, um, <clears throat> says here, March 17th, the new league year begins. So, you know, um, when you're looking at companies, a lot of times companies have a fiscal year other than, you know, January 1st to December 31st, you know. So this league year is a March situation. March 17th is when the new league year begins and free agency. The 2021 NFL league year starts at 4 p.m. Eastern time on March 17th. Teams can begin to sign new free agents and trades can become official. So we'll be busy on, uh, on the show following that little uh, that's going to be like the sharks all attacking one time, like, you know what I mean? That's going to be crazy, but it's fun. Cause we know it's coming so we can get ready for it. All right. What's up next? Hello, new coaches, April 5th. So the seven teams that hired a new head coach, Atlanta, Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville, LA chargers, New York jets, and Philadelphia can begin off-season workout programs. This is this little piece right here is going to tie into our comment section. <laughs> so keep an eye out on this list of uh, of teams and, and those and who those coaches are. But they get a chance, Ben, to get started with their off-season workout programs. What's that? Fourteen days ahead of the uh, other coaches. I was unaware of this, and I am ashamed to say it, but <laughs> I was unaware that teams that hire new head coaches get to start their off-season programs before the other teams do. When did this just come out in the new CBA or something? I, I had no clue. I'm not even sure if that's fair. Is that? Yeah, I guess it is. I've seen it, but I, it didn't, and you know, I didn't see it as significant. And so maybe because you weren't aware of it, 
you know, I wasn't aware of anything. So it was one part of a lot of information for me. Okay, blah, 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 blah. So, but you didn't know that. New coaches get a, get a little head start. Eh? I knew that. And I, I'm assuming that that they're trying to allow new head coaches to kind of get their programs off the ground. Um, so they, 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 they don't want them to be at a disadvantage to teams who have established coaching staffs and an established head coach. So uh, I guess to level the playing field, they're going to allow them to start their off-season programs. And off-season programs doesn't necessarily just mean practice. Obviously, it means meetings, um, you know, looking at film, guys meeting each other, uh, position group meetings, and, and such things as that. So um, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. I, I wouldn't want uh, a new head coach to be at any kind of a disadvantage. So I'm going to assume that, that, that that's what this is for. And well, you, You've made the complete emotional swing me. here from the kind of like, you did kind of like, oh, like, oh, is this fair? To oh, kind of makes no, sense. No, that's crazy, dude. I just feel like a 180, like, all right? I don't, I mean, I okay, it's cool. <laughs> But, but I, you know, I look at it. He's not known for like trying to be extra fair. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it like this, right? Okay, what, what date was that? March, um, the, uh, April 5th? Right. Before April 5th, Tom Brady will be out in the park with his receivers anyway. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> He'll be some random high school field somewhere. Right in the park, yeah. So. They don't care. What do they care? So then April 19th, welcome back. All coaches, all other teams can start their off-season workout programs on the 19th, okay? And then, and then, and then April 29th, 10 days later, through May 1st, the 2021 NFL Draft from Cleveland, Ohio. All righty. Cleveland this year. Mm. Interesting. Cleveland, yes. I have to talk to my Ohio family, see if anybody's going to try to go to the draft. You know, it'll be May. We'll be into a period where by May, a good portion of the um, population will be vaccinated. Uh, some, some states are being a little, I believe, too aggressive in trying to open up. But shoot, by May, even the more conservative states will probably be foaming at the mouth to get open and, you know, and, and move, you know, have people come into places like this. Hopefully, they'll still be testing and they'll still be, you know, uh, being careful with masks, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the fear of dying once you've been vaccinated is the one fear that kind of gets removed because that's the one thing that the vaccine is kind of saying, okay, for the most part, if you get it, you won't die. You know, uh, promise everything else so far, but that's the one thing that mostly all of them are almost at a hundred percent efficacy. Okay, so let me ask you this because I haven't heard officially. I assume that we could probably look it up and find out, but uh, I'm going to assume that this will be one more uh, basically virtual draft like we had for 2020. Good question. No, hadn't looked it up. I can, you know, we'll find out. Um, and like I said, you know, what, what I saw is that a lot of these 
organizations make the announcement as if it's going to be live and then back it off into a virtual scenario. You know, in my other life with Legal Shield, uh, we have a national convention and that's how they started out. It's going to be a national convention. It's going to be in April. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be great. Right. And then, and then they, a little later, it's like, it's going to be virtual. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't want to come right out in the beginning and say it. They want it to sound as normal as possible, just in case something good happens and, and they're able to do it, even if it looks grim. So well, that's like, helpful. I mean, there's a, yeah, you know, when you have those, those type of gatherings, there's so much electricity, so much energy, sure, sure. you know, that gets generated, you know, and I can see that it's maybe a different challenge to get generated, generate that, that type of uh, energy remotely, <laughs> you know what I mean? But hey, um, worldwide, a lot of energy uh, following teams and, and things of that nature. So, you know, it, it's a great thing. All right. 2021 NFL Draft. Next up, we're going to talk about the draftees. Who's going to get drafted? All right, Benny. So in this next segment, we're going to actually talk a little bit about the draft. Now, we're going to come to it from a slightly different perspective. And, you know, one of my favorite analysts is Cynthia Freeland. And the reason that what well, she's one of my favorite is because whatever she says, she's got to be able to figure out how to number crunch it because that's what she basically does. It's an amazing thing with the algorithms and all of that kind of stuff. But it, 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 it means that she sometimes looks at things slightly different. So do I. I mean, the net point power rankings and the bias plus reports are a slightly different way of looking at the NFL. So let's take a quick look at her article and see what she actually has to say. I hope I, I get this right here. Yes. Okay. So NFL station, this is the Cynthia Freeland mock draft 1.0, which indicates there's going to be a number of variations or updates on this draft. But she, she tries to answer the question of what, team would win now what's the one draftee that they would have to take to win now um and so we're going to take a look at some of these draftees she says she's not attempting to predict or divine what the team will actually do on draft day but it is interesting sometimes when you see uh how these metrics and these calculations go so let's let's kick this off with Pick number one, Trevor Lawrence. She basically says he's going to the, that she would take him or the Jaguars should take him if they want to win right now. Um, that he's ready um, to step up to the defensive intensity in the pros. And pro football focus has him as the only quarterback in the draft class who has faced the blitz over 200 times in the past three seasons. Is he your number one quarterback coming out of college also? I would have to say that Trevor Lawrence, yes, probably is my number one quarterback coming out this year. Um, I've seen him win a national championship. Uh, I've seen him play in a, a few national championships. Uh, I've seen his body of work over the last couple of years. 
Um, he's got all the tools, the height. He can run. Strong arm, makes all the throws. Great leader. Stayed in school, didn't come out early. You know what I mean? Um, yes, I, I would have to agree that he's the number one quarterback coming out, hands down. Interesting. Interesting. All right, let's see what we have here now um, as the number two spot uh, for Cynthia. And again, you know, first of all, would you take him number one? You, you know, Jaguars have the first pick. So you you think that the Jaguars are A, going to do that, or would you suggest that they do it? Okay, so I understand that she's trying to make it clear. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's trying to make it clear that the person that she thinks each team should take with their number one overall pick in the first round is the person most likely to help them win right away. Okay. So when she says, if they want this, is who they should take, if they want to win now, obviously we're talking about improve in the wins department. Okay. If you got three wins, you're not going to go to the Super Bowl the next year. I mean, obviously it's possible, but I, I doubt it. So especially off of one draft pick. But I do understand, or I believe that I understand that what she's saying is, this is the person they should take that will make the most impact. Okay. Whereas I believe most teams would draft for either <clears throat> specific needs or uh, actual overwhelming talent. Obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars need a quarterback. They have the first pick overall and the best quarterback in the draft by everyone's estimation is sitting right there for them. This one is easy. You take Trevor Lawrence. Now, uh, this, this is an interesting number two pick because I don't think most people would be looking at an offensive tackle, Panay Sewell, for the Jets. So the Jets have the, what's this? The uh, Okay, so it's the Jaguars and then it's the Jets. And, you know, apparently this, this young man uh, has, uh, is a top pass and run blocking um, lineman. And the projection assumes uh, C.J. Mosley's returning, and she's assuming a few other uh, scenarios. But do you know anything about this young man, Mr. Sewell? Yeah, he's at the University of Oregon. Uh, I believe that he is looked at in the same vein as Trevor Lawrence as far as his position is concerned. I believe that he is the hands-down number one offensive tackle in the draft this year. Now, of course, things can change. People have opinions. You got to look at the Mel Kuypers and those guys like that. They've already, they're already up to draft 4.0. So, you know what I mean? They're continuing to evaluate players. Um, they got to look at pro days because there's no combine this year. So we have to see pro day workouts and things like that and look at film constantly. But, as of right now, N.A. Sewell is the number one offensive lineman. I won't even just say offensive tackle. He's the number one offensive lineman 
in this upcoming draft as deemed by myself and most other people out there. All right. But, but two ways to look at this, okay? Now let's remember again, we're going through the Cynthia Freeland article, okay? And Cynthia Freeland says that with the number two pick overall, the New York Jets should take an offensive lineman. Therefore, you got the number two pick overall, why not take the best projected offensive lineman if they want to have the person that will make the most impact toward them winning games. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to fix the Jets' problems. There's a lot of folks out there who feel like the Jets should maybe trade back and get two or three more picks for this pick. Okay, this is the number two pick overall. This is an extremely valuable pick. There's been talk of them going quarterback. So, again, when you're a team like the New York Jets, there's a few different ways that you can go to get yourself an impact player. So, this is her opinion, okay, because obviously their offensive line was a mess last year. So, the first thing you got to do is you got to be able to run the ball and you have to be able to protect your quarterback. Therefore, in her estimation, if we're going to run the ball and protect our quarterback, that will help us win games. Therefore, we should get an offensive lineman. Why not get the best one? So I see where she's going with that. Well, she actually agrees with you, but she says right here that it's the most likely uh, trade slot to be uh, draft slot to be traded right. and that the Jets have a lot of needs. So you guys are saying kind of the same thing. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the thing about sometimes when you're doing these mathematical models, you have limitations and, and, you know, you have to fit it in and it has to, you know, meet certain requirements. So that's an interesting thing. Let's look at number three real quick. Jamar Chase, LSU wide receiver, going to the Miami Dolphins. Apparently he opted out in 2020. Um, she says in 2019 he was the most open receiver in college football. Uh, when viewed, viewing the percentage of targets where he had at least three yards to work with uh, on passes intended to travel more than 10 yards. So, so that's, that's what you call some statistical analysis right there. But bottom line, Jamar Chase, bad boy coming out of LSU. What do you got on him? Okay, so I'm starting to see a pattern. I think I, I'm starting to believe that I kind of look – I kind of see where she's going as oh, far no. as how, <laughs> yeah, as far as how she's determining who she's picking for each team. I think what she's doing is she's taking her numbers and her algorithms and her throwing them in the computer, but I believe she's doing it by position groups, seeking out the weakest position group, okay? And then try to enhance that position group in order to assure the team that it will help them win. Okay. That's some serious so analysis, far. Mr. Dickinson. Holy mackerel. I hear you. And so Go ahead far, with your position groups. Talk, talk about it. And so far, she's had the Jacksonville Jaguars taking the number one ranked quarterback, the Jets taking the number one ranked offensive tackle, obviously a weak position group. 
and the Dolphins taking the number one receiver, which I'm assuming because I don't know, but I believe that she feels through her, you know, uh, whatever she goes through to come up with her numbers and her and her reasons for doing things that the 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 wide receiver group of the Miami Dolphins needs some improvement. And Jamar Chase, I believe, is the number one receiver in a really good receiver class this year. This is an excellent receiver class. And this guy's at the top of the class. And for the people who watched out the Alabama game and say, well, number one, the dude opted out this year, so he didn't even play 2020. And number two, we saw Devontae Smith. He's a beast. Oh, my God. Did you see what he did in the national championship? Let me just remind you. 2019, Jamar Chase was the number one receiver for LSU and Joe Burrow. Guess who the number two receiver was? Who? Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings. Had a great year. He was the number two. He was the number two behind Jamar Chase. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. So he was older, but he was the number two. Because he or he came out and, and Chase didn't. Jamar Chase was the number one receiver on that team, on that national championship team. Right, but the number two is in the pros now. Jamar Chase is still in it's just coming out now. Yeah. So I'm saying the uh Jefferson was an older, older I student. Know. I don't know. Or upperclassman, but he was still the, the number two behind Jamar Chase. He might have been. Maybe Jamar Chase chose not to come at her. Jamar Chase yeah. opted out. So I don't know if he was going to come back and play at LSU again. Or, I mean, he didn't go into the draft. So I'm assuming that he was going to come back and play another year. Um, in fact, this says he's a junior. Right, so, right. So, so if 2019 he was a sophomore and, and, and uh, Jefferson was a junior, okay, yeah. So I'm just saying that makes it even more impressive to me that he was a younger guy. He was the number one guy over somebody as talented as Jefferson. That's okay. I've seen guys come in and be true freshmen and, and, and go crazy. This kid is good, man. He does it all. He does it all. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. So Matt, we finished up number three. Yeah, and let's again, keep going because this is getting interesting now because I, I see a pattern. Now I'm waiting to see if the pattern breaks. Ladies and gentlemen, if you heard him complaining about this article before we got started, I am absolutely cracking up over here because all of a sudden now he's seeing some things, but he Ben, ben is the college guy. So I, I don't watch as much college as him, so I really depend on him in these situations. Let me scroll down to number four, going to the Atlanta Falcons, Mr. Pay. Now, how do you say his first name? Quetty? Quitty. I think it's Quitty. Quitty Pay? I think so. Edge rusher? Yes. Senior from Michigan? Yes. Going yes. to the Falcons. So according to your theory, <laughs> the defensive line is the weakest unit on the Falcons according to my theory 
I believe that Cynthia Freeman has deemed the Atlanta Falcons pass rush as the weakest part of their team. All right. It's Freeland, L-U-N-D. Let's get it right. Freeland, Freeland, Lund. Freeland. So, so, okay, so you're saying, you, according to your theory, this is who she thinks is the weakest unit. I mean, okay. that's the way so she had, Do you know about him as, a, as an edge rusher? Because I see Chase Young in the article. They, 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 they threw his name in there. Well, he's a good player. I didn't see a lot of Michigan. I think I might have seen them play twice. Michigan did not have a really good season this year. So um, I didn't hear a whole lot about him. Uh, as usual, you know, before the draft comes up, we do a lot more studying because obviously we, we lean toward uh, NFL football and we don't follow college as closely as far as, uh, you know, keeping up with stuff because, you know, we have to keep up with the NFL because we do this program. However, I do try to watch games and because of COVID, of course, the you know, everybody didn't play full seasons. Some teams played six games. Some teams played 10 games. Some teams played four games. So it was kind of erratic. So I don't want to step out and say that I believe that this guy is the number one pass rusher in this year's draft. There are several, but I don't know enough about him to, to put my name on the line and say, I Ben says this guy's the number one rusher coming out. All right, you don't want to put your name on the line. I can understand I it. Makes sense. Makes sense. He does come up as a uh, with a prospect grade of six point four by the NFL. He's six four two seventy two. Benny, that's quickly pay. That's great size. You know, but again, you know, I'd like to see some film on him, which I will get a chance to look at, and also I'd like to see uh, how fast he is. Okay. Um, those things mean a lot when it comes to an edge rusher. We shall see. We shall see. Okay. Again, this is Ben and Barry on football. Um, and we will be on WJRLradio.com every Friday from 6 to 7.30. The number five pick, Cynthia Freeland, has gone. She's saying that. The Cincinnati Bengals should take Rashawn Slater, another tackle, offensive tackle, and with their number five pick if they want to win or that he gives them the best chance to win right away. You know anything about Mr. Rashawn Slater? Uh, I don't know a lot about Rashawn Slater except for the fact that he also opted out just like Jamar Chase did. Um, and uh, I think I can see a couple of little words here from Cynthia that that may have been a missed opportunity for him because Northwestern actually had a really good season, um, which would have given him even more uh, opportunity to put some good film together. Um, but she's obviously seen enough to believe that even though he opted out this year, that he's got the goods and he's a top flight offensive uh, lineman, meaning that again, we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. We're talking about Joe Burrow at quarterback. And there can't be anything more important for the Cincinnati Bengals right now than protecting Joe Burrow. So, again, you know, it makes sense. I don't know that that's what they're going to do. They might go 
wide receiver, they might go defense. I don't know. They got a lot of holes. So, you know, but, but, but I, I understand where she's going. I respect it. If she thinks that in order for them to win games, they have to protect Joe Burrow over anything else. I cannot disagree with her. Cannot. I can't disagree with her. I'm not saying I agree that they should take this guy, but I do agree that somewhere along the line, they have to figure out how to protect Joe Burrow or they will not win games. Man, let me tell you something. I was watching something on the NFL channel and they were talking about the Cowboys when they were just, you know, when Zeke was having his best rushing, you know, numbers and how dominant that offensive line was. Yes. Back then. So, you know, you got to be believe. We both believe that the games are won at the line of scrimmage. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big man's game uh, up there. And, you know, team that wins there usually wins. So let's look for number six. All right, Cynthia, let's see. Uh-oh. In the NFC <laughs> East. <laughs> okay, she just broke a trend. <laughs> you think so? I think so. Be talking about getting rid of uh, getting rid of Zachers, he might hang around for okay. a year or so. But they talking about. Like, I, I take that back. Go. I take that back. I take that back. They're they're not really breaking the trend. I'll tell you why. Yes, they're going to let Zachers go. But you could not tell that organization that Dallas Goddard was not the heir apparent. And Dallas Goddard <laughs> could still be the heir apparent. And they could believe that Dallas Goddard is good enough to step in and take over for Zach Ertz. I personally think he will be good enough that they should not have to feel pressed to take a tight end, that they can address other things. Unless now, you want to run a lot of two tight end offense, which if this guy is that good and, and if Oh he's that if, good. <laughs> yeah. He, he's from Philly. Okay. Okay. I forget what high school he went to. I forget what high school he went to. I have to look that up. He's from Philly, I'm pretty sure. Uh yeah, he's that good. Played Florida. He, he's that good. But I don't so, think they're gonna take him. Okay, you don't think that's what the Eagles will do, but okay, he might he might be a great second tight end in the two tight end offense. Right. And I but, like two tight end offenses, let me tell you that much. But if my theory is correct, I don't believe that tight end is their biggest weakness. Okay. All I right. think I, I think offensive line and or defensive back is probably their biggest weakness. Well, they're a little long in tooth on the offensive line, and yeah, we've seen their defense get uh, get shredded. All right, pick number seven: the Detroit Lions with a brand new quarterback from the Rams, Jared Goff. She's saying that uh, Penn State linebacker, Penn linebacker, you, Penn State, Mika Parsons, My again. Dad. Opted out. So I know you know this Penn, you had that Penn State 
familiarity. What's going on with Mika? Micah. Micah, see? There you go. Micah Parsons. I love me some Micah Parsons. <laughs> and Micah Parsons, if somehow, some way, the New York Giants do not figure out how to get Micah Parsons, I'm going to be real, real upset. I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about it early on to kind of lessen the blow if they don't pull it off, okay? But I love me some Micah Parsons, and he would look absolutely wonderful in a New York Giants uniform, and him and Saquon can chop it up about times back at Penn State and all that stuff. Micah Parsons is a top-flight linebacker. There might be some other linebackers out there that I'm not real strong on. So I don't want to declare him as my number one linebacker coming out in, in this year's draft. But I have a feeling I'm going to end up doing that. I really like Micah Parsons. Now, as far as him going to Detroit, again, we have another situation where we have a team that has a lot of holes. Evidently, he feels that their biggest weakness is at the linebacker position. She may be right. She may be right. I, I, can't, I can't argue because they got a lot of issues. Me personally, again, they just traded uh, Stafford. They got Jared Goff. Jared Goff is pretty slight in build. Um, and if you followed uh, uh, Stafford's career, you know he's been he's been bounced around quite a bit. There's a famous video out that you can probably find on YouTube, and it's been floating around on Facebook of him having his shoulder dislocated, going off, coming back on the field, and leading the team to a game-winning drive and a touchdown with one arm hanging off. So. Uh, I would say they need to get into the offensive lineman uh, line and pick up a big offensive lineman to protect Jared Goff. So I would, okay. All right. So you want I, offensive lineman as opposed to linebacker. Right. But I, I can, I understand her logic. <laughs> I do. All right. All right. All, well, every good. one of these guys is a top flight guy, except for, I don't know about my man Quiddy, but <laughs> all these other dudes, our top flight players. Let's see who the next top flight player is. The nah. number eight pick. She's got Zach Wilson going to the Panthers. BYU quarterback. He's still a junior. But she talked about him. And she likes his ability to make off-platform throws a la... Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Deshaun Watson. So she likes that kind of stuff. And she says Zach Wilson can do that. What yeah. do you think? And she's right about that assessment. And you're going to hear Zach Wilson's name a lot as we get closer and closer to the draft. In fact, early on, like during the season, when they would talk about, you know, college a little bit and what the upcoming draft might look like and 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 spoke of 
quarterbacks, which they always do. It was Trevor Lawrence and then Justin Fields. You didn't hear a lot about Zach Wilson. But now that the season's over and people are really beginning to start to do their homework, you see Zach Wilson starting to climb the ladder and Justin Fields starting to come down the ladder a little bit. Now, I don't want to declare Zach Wilson as the second best quarterback coming out in this draft, but I don't want to poo-poo it either, okay? Zach Wilson's nice. The kid can move. He's, he's real shifty in the pocket. He makes those off-platform throws, okay? And he's got a nice arm. He's not real big. I don't think he's real tall. I think he's only like six feet tall. Do you have his numbers? Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't appear to be a, a real big guy in stature, but um, he comes from a, a program, BYU, where throwing the ball is, is always important. Um, hey, Ben. Yes. 6'3", There you go. Beautiful. So he's, he's, he's tall. But he's small. Yeah, 210 is not big at all. But that's okay. 6'3, 210, he'll he'll be fine. He'll be fine. They'll they'll get him up to about 215, 218. He'll be fine. The kid can play. And obviously, Teddy Bridgewater did not get it done to to Matt Rule's dismay. And um, but Teddy Bridgewater can bridge the gap between himself and the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers' future. So that one makes sense to me. I can see them, excuse me, making that move. I also can see them taking Justin Fields or Josh Fields. I keep calling him Justin. I see them taking Fields from Ohio State also. And I tell you, not to sound... I don't know how this is going to sound everybody, but Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, who used to coach at um, Temple, he likes black quarterbacks. <laughs> Let me just put it to you. That's the only way I know how to say it. He likes black quarterbacks. You know the backup, uh, Bridgewater's backup is, is our man, PJ. Oh, from the, uh... the XFL. From the XFL, right? Exactly. Who came in and 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 gave us a few thrills during yes. the season? Yes. yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes. And I remember, and I, I, I don't want to end. You know, we we're so excited about PJ, but he did throw that interception in the end zone, which I yeah. thought at the time, had he not, it was one of those I could have been somebody moments. <laughs> You know what I mean? He make that yeah. touchdown and not throw that interception. That's true. Pow! Blows right up. I, that's that's what I really thought about him because he was having – he was moving the ball. He was he was moving and grooving, man, you know? That's true. So, yeah, okay. That, that's an interesting uh, point there. Um, yeah. Again, their defense wasn't horrible, and they had a really nice run game. Even when McCaffrey went down, Davis came in and played really well. So well, their offensive line isn't horrible, okay? So if, if, if they draft a quarterback, be it Zach Wilson 
or be it Fields. Okay, now you got a seasoned veteran, a number one overall pick, and you got a capable guy in PJ. Uh, uh, what's his last name? Washington. It'll who's, come to me in a minute, but PJ. Yeah, who's been around for a little while, who's been in some quarterback rooms with some really smart coaches and some veteran quarterbacks, okay, who's come up through the ranks, through Temple, through the XFL, made it to the NFL, okay? That's a nice little quarterback group you got, you're going to have there. P.J. Walker. Walker. I want, that's why I say Washington. It was a W. P.J. Walker. That's a nice little quarterback group you got there. You know well, I mean? you seem to be assuming that Ted, Teddy Bridgewater is going to stay, and she mentions that he unfollowed the Panthers. Uh, but I haven't heard, like, I haven't heard any big statements coming from Bridgewater saying he doesn't want to be with the Panthers. Mm, yeah, I think he's being smart and keeping quiet. I don't know what he's thinking, but he's not going to come out and make any announcement because Deshaun Watson made an announcement, look at that mess. And then <laughs> Russell Wilson, who everybody didn't, thought was going to be a Seahawk for life, makes one little statement about, yeah, I wish they would come to me and talk to me and let me be in on some of the moves they make. And now all of a sudden, he's halfway out the doggone door. So, yeah, Teddy, shh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, you talked a lot about Justin Fields. And as we scroll down, guess who we see? Oh, it is he Justin. going nine to the Bronco. Now, this was interesting because apparently – she, she got Drew Locke. What, what, what are you, what's she doing with Drew Locke here? Okay, so <laughs> the, to, as far as I know, the jury's still out on Drew Locke. So she might have missed on this one. She might have missed on this one. Evidently, she doesn't believe in Drew Locke. But I don't think, I don't think that the Broncos are done with him. I think he's shown them enough to maybe give him another shot. He's only been in the league, what, two years? I mean, I don't know. That's a tough one. If you, if you go Justin Fields, then that means you're pretty much giving up on Drew Locke. And teams don't usually give up on a first round. Did they pick him in the first round? Didn't I'm not sure. Him? I have to check. First or second round. He was a fairly high pick, I believe. I could be wrong. I, you know. I know y'all think I know everything, but I really don't. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is, if you take Justin Fields with a number nine pick overall, you're telling Drew Locke that his days there are over. That's that's the way I see it. I, I don't I don't know any other way to see it unless you're saying, you know what, Drew, we're not through with you. We still believe that you can possibly do it. So we're going to bring this young fella in and we're going to let you guys fight it out. They could do that. They could do that. They I could think, do that. I think Drew Locke has enough experience that he could hold fields off for at least a season or so. And if he can stay healthy and they can win some games, he'll be okay for a little while. But talk about looking over your shoulder. Whew. Man, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be tough. That's why Teddy, 
unfollowed the Panthers on Twitter. Because if they Man, take a quarterback, he, that his shoulder's going to be hot. He's going to feel that hot breath on his neck. Constantly. And he doesn't like that. Now I don't blame I don't think anybody likes it, but I think it's part of the new reality. Yes, sir. The, the interesting thing, Ben, is this next pick. Let's scroll down. She's got the number 10 pick going to Dallas, an edge rusher. Dallas don't have enough edge rushers. Really? <laughs> and it's another opt-out, dude. It yeah. Says, he opted out in 2020, but his 2019 data was some of my favorite. Oh, you just moved it while I was reading. There you go. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you know, I can't really see that well. Um... Oh, okay. He's versatile. He lined up all over the defensive front, so that means he played the tackle and on the edge. Generated pressures from every spot. Also improved his average time to pressure adjusted for alignment from the beginning of the season. Uh, that means how fast, I think that means how fast he was able to get out of his stance and into the backfield to the quarterback. So um, He played offense and safety in high school. Wow. That means he can run. But again, all right, we're talking we're talking about the Cowboys, right? So, so you think she missed on this one? Well, I don't know if she missed, but let, let me see something here. You're talking about edge rushers, right? With the Cowboys. Right now, as I look at the Cowboys left end, I see Demarcus Lawrence. Right in, Alden Smith. Defensive tackle, Tristan Hill. A Antoine Woods, but as far as the edge are concerned, I'm seeing Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith. You ready to move those guys on and and put a, a, a Mr. Rousseau in there? I mean, I'm I mean, behind Alden they have Randy Gregory. Remember him? Yes, yes, yes. Six six. All right, Rondell Carter. Behind him, and that's on the right side. On the left side, Dorrance Armstrong and hold on, who's this other gentleman? Bradley Anay. So those are some of the names. Nothing big there, but I just remembered that you know it seemed to me like Dallas was pretty strong at edge. But again, with his flexibility, that's just interesting that she thinks that that's the unit that needs the that you know where an upgrade would give Dallas the best chance of winning, I would have thought it would have been at the offensive line. Well, like I said, whatever she's using to come up with the data that says that defensive line is a severe enough weakness that if they improve it, it will help them win. So be it. Obviously, this guy has shown her enough. And again, I'm not going to try to pretend that I know a lot about somebody that I don't know a lot about. But I did watch Miami, and I forget who I was watching them play. But the pass rush was pretty fierce. In fact, they have another pass rusher. I think they had some bookend 
um, edge rushers that were both pretty good. I just can't remember the other guy's name. So I'm not just, the guy is obviously a, a top flight player at his position, uh, but whether or not he would make the biggest difference for the Dallas Cowboys, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I got a question about that. Yeah, I think right. I'm more toward offense like you are. So Benny, that's, that's 10. Now, a lot of times you would think we would do the top 10, but I said we were gonna do the top 12 for a very specific reason. And before we do number 11 and number 12, let me again say this is Ben and Barry on football. You can find us on podcast, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And we are on WJRLradio.com every Friday from 7, excuse me, from 6 to 7.30. Okay. Number 11. You know, I had to include number 11. Because that's yeah. the Giants pick. <laughs> Devonta okay, Smith. Now, this guy is the Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, he is. Ooh, going to the Giants. What do you think about that? <laughs> now, now, first of all, let me make this clear. I did not look at this list. Right? This is the first time you are showing me this list. I do not have a list of who's picking where in the draft in front of me. I didn't even know because I didn't want to fret over it. I didn't know where the Giants were picking. I thought they were picking somewhere in the top 15 because of their record, but I didn't know exactly where they were picking. But now that I see this, and now that I see that about an hour and a half ago, they released um, um, Golden Tate. Tate. They released Golden Tate about an hour and a half ago from when we started this program. Okay. <laughs> and now I see this. Okay. And they, and they, and they just helped out their cap by 6.1 million, which is always a big plus. Okay. It's all coming into focus now. Cynthia. <laughs> it's all coming into focus now. Cynthia, now, I have a new convert for you. <laughs> let me, let me reiterate, all right? I believe that Jamar Chase is a all-round better receiver than Devontae Smith. Really? You do? I think. I think when you put it all together, height, weight, speed, hands, route running ability, run after catch, you put it all together. I think Jamar Chase is better than this guy. However, this guy won the Heisman, man. He ain't no joke. Now, <laughs> as far as him being the answer to helping the Giants win more games, there I disagree. If I had my druthers, I'd take Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. That either that or an offensive lineman, the, the, the best offensive lineman I can get my hands on. Because guess what? Daniel Jones is never going to live up to his full potential if they don't protect him and go all out to protect him like some of these other teams are protecting their quarterbacks. Okay, We're never going to get to see how good he can be 
if they do not protect him. They say he's got a problem protecting the ball. He's getting sacked. And when he gets sacked, he fumbles the ball. Don't let him get sacked then. <laughs> Build up your offensive line and let this guy work. Not to mention Saquon's coming back next year. Saquon's coming yeah. back, baby. As, as juicy as this pick looks, I got to say that, and, and again, like I said, if she looked at each position group and used whatever number system or algorithms that she came up with to determine which position group is their weakest, I can see where wide receiver will come up with not such a great grade, okay? But I think the most important thing for them is getting their running game going and protecting their quarterback. You, you got to go offensive lineman. You got to go offensive lineman or you got to get a stud linebacker. The, um, the secondary is coming along. The secondary is kind of young and they're going to be okay. Uh, yeah, that's... Hey, Ben, listen to this. All right, because you know I'm a Madden guy. You're the fantasy guy, so I like to look at Madden ratings and stuff. So I'm looking at your Giants, right? And they have Andrew Thomas listed as your left tackle right now. Mm. Rated 70 overall. Okay. Right? That ain't where you want your left tackle to be. Your left guard is Shane Lemieux. Yeah. Rated 65. Okay. Your center Nick Gates, rated 68. Your right guard, Kevin Zeitler, 83. Yeah. And your right tackle, Cameron Fleming, 66. Yeah. So, so that's in line with what you're saying. Those are low grades as far as Madden is concerned, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, again, on a scale of 100, you know, you're talking 66, man. And you know, for example, I'll give you as a maybe as a point point of reference here. Let's look at the 49ers uh, left tackle. Trent Williams rated 94. And he's a free agent, by the way. Right. So just to give you an idea yeah, I, on I, the I, scale. I coming from. So you know, so that kind of bears out what I'm saying, right? Exactly. Okay. That's that's the point that we're making. All right. So this is number 12. And since we were here talking about Trent Williams and the 49ers, number 12 is the 49er pick. <laughs> so you see why we went 12 down here. Uh, my beloved 49ers. She has them taking Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech cornerback, junior. He said, wait a minute, allowed a passer rating and coverage of 26.8? Jamie Christmas, what he, he's clamping down on people out there. What's going on? You know I, anything about Caleb? I heard his name, and I've seen some highlights of him. I didn't get a chance to see Virginia Tech play, but the kid is pretty good. Um, he's a true corner because, you know, sometimes these guys are just, they're like DBs, like they can't figure out. Are they going to use him as a true corner? Are they going to use him as a nickel slot guy? Or are they going to use him as safety? He's a true corner, and he can really cover. And um, uh, she may be on target on this one because because your secondary was getting 
kind of mollywop there last year. Oh yeah, I <laughs> talked to you about that, you know, and and again, we were just talking about Richard Sherman, who he's pretty much saying, I'm not going to be here. I'm pretty sure they're going to let me go. Can he step in for Richard Sherman and solidify uh, that side? Probably have to, yes. But I believe he could, yes. I, I Believe me, let me do my homework and we'll come back to this. If you can save this article and we start doing our draft homework before we do our draft, and then we got a little bit of time, okay? So that gives me some time. And we'll come back and I'll let you know if I agree, because I believe that she believes that each one of these guys is the top player at that position. You know what I mean? She's not looking for, for things that um, uh, coaches and GMs are really looking for. They don't always look for, he's the number one rated guy at that position and we need that position. So we're going to take that guy. They kind of look for fits. You know what I mean? So I don't think she's looking for fit at all. She's like, this is where you're weak. This is the best guy, best guy there. Take that guy, plug him in. Let's go. You'll win games. I, I get it. You know? So it'll be interesting. I, I got to do some more research um, and, and come up with some other names. I think this is going to be a pretty good DB draft too also though, which is cool because I know it's going to be a good wide receiver draft. Well, that, that was an interesting discussion. Now, let me remind people, this article is on the Ben and Barry Facebook page. We only covered 1 through 12, and there are 32 uh, picks that, that she oh, has she did listed. The whole first round. She That's did cool. the whole first round. Yeah, so, you know... Um, so, we'll, but we'll leave we'll leave that for people to get a chance to go look at thirteen through thirty two, and take a look at it. We might uh, again when things get updated and you get to her draft status two point oh. So there might be some jumbling around. You might see some people that are a little lower now. They're up and things move, and that's what makes all of this stuff so much fun. All right. So again, this is Ben and Barry on football at www.benandbarryonfootball.com. And we are on WJRRadio.com every Friday from 6 to 7.30. Okay. We are going to move into the last portion of the show. And this is our commentary portion. We like to bring up positive things in the commentary portion. But we have a little bit of a yin-yang situation here. Mr. Dickerson, and I want to point it out a little bit. So let's start with playing the Inspired Change Super Bowl commercial for everyone to hear. I want to make sure that we can play this and hear it. Can you see the blank screen where it says Inspired Change? Yeah, I got you. Okay, let's hit the play button. Football is a microcosm of America, all races, religions, living, playing, competing side by side. I pray we dedicate ourselves to be the best team we can be. Let's choose to be for one another, to fulfill the promise of one nation 
to be part of the solution, be part of the change, to try harder, show up, dive in, and stay at it. Oh, can we touch for a second, be us for a second, no matter what I give it to, my love looks better on you. Inspiring, isn't it? And let me remind people, that guy talking, that was LaDainian Tomlinson. That was his Hall of Fame speech, part of his Hall of Fame speech from 2017. LaDainian Tomlinson will always be special to me because when Christopher, my, my youngest son, was playing high school ball, a reporter that reported on him actually you said that's who Christopher reminded him of was Ladanian Tomlinson, which I just thought was amazing to hear, you know, <laughs> you hear that you're like, holy mackerel, you know? So in any event, you're absolutely right. That was his hall of fame speech. And the point of the commentary is, you know, not just to put, give a pat on the back to the NFL. I believe they said they were committing $250 million dollars. Uh, toward the cause, you know, uh, of uh, racial uh, equality and all of that. But yet, the NFL right now is actually being uh, criticized for their picks for coaches and general managers where it's not representative of the players, where you've got seven out of 10 players are people of color. But as soon as you get to those ranks, where it is the decision of the owners and those people in upper management now. So it seems as if what the NFL is saying and what they're doing at their highest levels are not congruent. Well, when you say that and you say, okay, there's the NFL and then there's the NFL. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's the NFL like the commissioner, all those people that work in New York, there's that NFL. Then there's the NFL, 32 team owners. Then there's the NFL, 53 players on 32 different teams that you watch play on Sunday. So, so you should have said there's the NFL, then there's the NFL, then there's the, then NFL. There's the NFL. Exactly. <laughs> I think the NFL as a whole that is is what's uh, um, pushing that agenda as far as that commercial is concerned, okay? But then when you look at the hiring practices, you break it down to that one third, which is the team owners. The NFL as an as a total organization cannot make a team owner 
hire somebody. That team owner owns that team and he's going to hire who he wants to fill that job and coach that team. Now, they've offered incentives. Um, they've, they've, you know, they put in a Rooney rule and then they added to the Rooney rule and, and, and added incentives to try to prompt these guys to be a little bit more fair about this thing. But let's face it, they're going to hire who they want to hire and you can't make them do anything. So my thing is when you say the NFL is saying one thing, but then when you look at the hiring practices, they're saying something else, you got to kind of separate it. I mean, what do you think? Do you think I'm should that I think, the, I think the numbers are what they are, you know, and, and, I think that part of this is the whole thing with power because we're seeing um, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson begin to try to inject themselves into the power structure and feeling rebuffed. You know, um, I'm hearing on, on media, on television, where they're starting to talk about the power, the leverage power that, that these quarterbacks have, you know? And when are they going to begin to speak up about what's going on in the power structure? So I mentioned it last week, and, and what I was saying that I believe that, that what's happening is that people are going to begin to see that what they're saying and what they're doing, that there's a difference. And now if you have the... The, the, those players, especially those with guaranteed contracts, beginning to feel empowered to speak out, um, it's going to be interesting to see what pressures and what changes happen, you know, as far as um, black, black coaches are concerned. You had Tomlinson, uh, from what I understand, speak out saying that he can't understand why the enemy doesn't have a job. You know, why he's not a head coach somewhere. How did you skip over the enemy for anybody? Interesting thing about that is, while I understand and, and actually kind of agree, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking that if I was an owner looking at the enemy. I know what I'm, you're going to say. You go, no, go ahead and let me, let me hear what you think I'm going to say. No, 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 no. I'm not, I don't want to say it. All right. What I, what I was saying is looking at the enemy and saying, okay, in order to win, am I going to have to have the type of players that you have, a Patrick Mahomes and a Kelsey and all of that? Are we going to have to now go into an offense where we got people running around like we're in the Canadian Football League? Is this all that comes along with an Eric the enemy? Which is weird because – most of the time, the most of the credit for their offense goes to Andy Reid and not Eric Bieniemy. So I don't know how much of all the craziness that they're doing is Andy Reid versus Eric Bieniemy. But I'm one, I've always kind of felt that that connection uh, to Andy Reid hurts Bieniemy. Um, and then secondly, I wondered if if you were an owner looking to hire a coach, would you be thinking that Eric Bieniemy? his situation is kind of so specific that I don't know if it would, if it would work well here with my team, my jets, or, you know, any of the other teams that hired coaches, you know, 
for the first time, the Panthers, for example. Well, not the Panthers, the Jaguars. I, I get what you're saying. I, I think, I think uh, in a way, I agree with you that that may give some owners some pause because when you look at the Chiefs offense and then you look at other offenses around the league, there aren't many that resemble them. Some don't resemble them in at the all. <laughs> in the and even the ones that are somewhat close to them still have flaws as far as personnel is concerned. You know what I mean? Well, they can't do that because they don't have anything near a Tyreek Hill. Right. Well, got to make sure that we got a top flight tight end. And there's only a few of them out there. So what sense does it make to bring this guy in if he's not going to be able to, to rev up our offense the way the Chiefs offense is revved up because we don't have the personnel? And how long will it take? How many drafts are we going to have to go through? Now, if the if owner is patient, if he's on, it's a team that hasn't been winning. I mean, there's there's no doubt that somebody could say, you know what? Here, take this and fix it. You know, but he can't do it by himself. He's got to hire a staff, and the GM's got to be on board. You know, yep, if that's GM true. and him don't look, don't don't see eye to eye, that's a lost cause. He's going to end up getting fired. And that's going to tar tarnish his legacy. If I was him, I'd stay where the heck I'm at for a while. You know, I wondered the same thing about, about the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks coach, you know, assistant coaches. You know, it's like okay, oh no, but the, no, the the Bucks, the I the Bucks offense, their offense and defense and defense is much more adaptable than the Chiefs is. I mean, I don't. I, I didn't really study the Chiefs defense. I mean, the Chiefs play a, a pretty basic defense, so I don't. That but when I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about with the Bucks is okay. When you had Jameis, all right, you weren't winning at that level. Okay, he was throwing as many picks as he was throwing touchdowns. You replace Jameis with a Tom Brady. You bring in a Gronk. You bring in a Brown. You bring, <laughs> you know what I mean, a Leonard Fournette, and boom, you win a Super Bowl. Yeah, so, but playing pretty basic football though. Yeah, but you you got another you got a you got a, a again a set of personnel that might be difficult to duplicate or emulate. So if you want to bring those coaches in, are they going to you know are you in that 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 was my question. It was the same thing like with the enemy. Yeah, I I could I I think it would be a little easy. I'm not saying it would be easy, but it would be easier to 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 simulate the Buccaneers offense. And I'm not even gonna mention defense because lots of teams run Tampa too. Okay, yeah, but they don't have the they don't have some of them guys that them guys got on them bay. I understand that, but you can get close to that. Okay. <laughs> the Chiefs run a lot of stuff that other teams either don't even attempt to run or only spot here and there with that jet sweep stuff and all that stuff. You'll see other teams do it, but not much. Not really. much. No, I, I actually agree with you that, that the Chiefs are at another level of uniqueness. Right. right. They're on another level. So that, that's why I say what I said. So, yeah, that, that could be holding the enemy back a little bit. That could be. If, if I was him, I'd go to Josh McDaniels' route. Belichick ain't going to coach forever. Josh McDaniels already strayed away 
and went to Denver and got his butt kicked and came crying back and Belichick took him back. He ain't going nowhere. If I'm the enemy, I'm staying right there under Andy Reid until Andy says, dude, I'm done because you know he's going to hand you the keys. I would hope so. I would hope so. But again, sometimes those decisions are more yeah. impacted by ownership. They would be fools. They would be total fools. DMs and ownership, that brain trust at another level. That's the question. I'll tell you this. Let's assume that all this crazy Kansas City stuff on offense that has been extremely successful all comes from the brain of Andy Reid. Guess who puts it together? Studies it, puts it together, disseminates it to the players, and manages it during the game. Mr. Bienemy does that. You see Andy looking at his old chart. Bienemy got chart too. He got headphones too. He's talking to somebody. Okay. He nobody understands that offense better than Andy, besides Bienemy. He, they would be crazy if Andy calls them tomorrow and says, I can't do it no more. I'm out of here. You know, you got to hand them keys right to Mr. Bianami. Who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? Hey, Anybody else you want to change that? That is the question. You don't want to change that. They've had a two-year run that's been remarkable. So, Ben. Atlanta, Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Jets, and the Eagles. The only team that hired a person of color, as I understand it, was the Jets. Yes. Bringing in Robert Sala. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's it. And, and again, let's remember... <laughs> The players, that commercial you watch, the players are with it for the most part. I would, I would, I would bet a dollar to a donut. The majority of the players are with it. Obviously, there's some players that have some hidden agendas that we don't know about. Um, but for the most part, it, it, the majority of the players are black. Those guys are with it. Okay. And again, they took those images. And 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 what the, the, the commercial was going to, and they put it to the soundtrack of a speech that was given in 2017. Kudos to Ladanian Tomlinson in his Hall of Fame speech. That was his moment. And that was part of his speech, talking about the NFL and the other players and us as a society and all that. He put all that out there in 2017 and here we are using it in 2021 and that's something um, amazing amazing all right benny on that note we're going to get ready to wrap up the show okie dokie um i don't have any further comments so it is now in your hands last comments anything yeah you know me man COVID-19, oh boy, I tell you what, Philadelphia, Department of Recreation starting to loosen the reins. The PTTFL Flag Football League will be coming back. Some of my guys are going to a tournament this weekend in Columbus, Ohio. I wish them well. 
I wish them good luck. I wish them safe travels. Bring back a trophy for me, please, fellas. I wanted to try to go. My wife does not want me to travel right now. And I got another tournament coming up that I must go to in April. So I'm going to sit back on this one, but they'll be all right. Um, so again, toast to you guys. Do well. Um, our season will be opening up again at the end of March. We'll be going into our spring season. We're going to have our playoffs and our championship one week uh, tournament style. And then the very next week, the season will start. So I have to say, as always, go Knowles.